Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. Tom Moran here from Tom's Big Spire. So sorry this one's a day late. I actually sat down to do the podcast on Sunday morning. I was using I used Google Docs to do my notes on. And while I was working, the internet went out. So everybody around the house was scrambling because, of course, we're one of these households where all the kids are using the internet and the internet to play online games and such. I got knocked off. And then by the time all was said and done, it was a little late. So I'm like, you know what? I'll just do it on a Monday. We do have Monday off. Obviously, I'm sitting at home. So figured we'd do it on a Monday. So apologies to those who are waiting for it on a Sunday. Again, I try to get these out every Sunday as much as I can, but every once in a while, it's not in the cards. So to kick this one off, we're going to go back to last week's episode for a little bit where we talked about things that, you know, what you need to do to prepare if you're getting into the tarantula hobby. And we had a couple comments on this one that I thought were interesting from Chris. Great episode, Tom. One thing I would consider before buying is pest control around the house. I know you said Billy works in pest control and I do as well. That's something I would really think about. And then we also had one from Madeline Re apartment living with teas is having to submit to pest control danger to your tarantula. If you have a tarantula and a good friend, you can move them for a week. With a large collection, it can be a giant headache. And that's something I didn't think about, honestly, when I was going through this. And a valid, very valid point from both uh, Chris and Madeline, the fact that you do need to consider if you're in an apartment, that's something you need to think about. I know Billy and I, years ago, when we rented, were in an apartment. I had snakes at that time, and we basically the lease said no dogs or cats. It didn't say anything about snakes, so we got a bunch of snakes. We had them all set up in a living room area, and my landlord, who was kind of a scumbag who would just key in whenever he wanted, it was not a good situation, walks in one day, knocks on the door, hey, how's it going, and then what are these doing here? You can't have those, and it got kind of icky until I basically got him to concede it wasn't in the lease, and he was going to let me keep them, but none of them could escape. So that is something we didn't have to worry about so much to pest control because honestly, I don't think this guy cared about pest control very much. But I've heard from many, many, many others over the years that are in situations, even in your own personal home, if you've got to get something treated. And we do have a whole podcast that I had Billy, we interviewed her on it. We talked about the different pest control questions and she gave her two cents on it. So if you are in a situation where you feel like you're going to have that pest control done in your home, definitely go give that one a listen and see if it's something that applies to you because it can be horrific and I get a couple of these a year when folks like I don't know what to do could you please ask Billy the homeowner the person who owns my apartment building says they are spraying for something or a lot of times they're bombing which apparently Billy says something that most people don't do anymore in pest control but there are still folks who go all right you know we have a bunch of I don't know whatever the pest is fleas or whatever we're going to bomb the place that's obviously hazardous to spiders so you want to make sure that they're not in an area like that and I think for a lot of folks just hearing the word pesticide freaks them out. So even if they're doing something like roach bait, I've had folks freak out, are the spiders somehow going to get a hold of the roach bait? Is it, are the roaches going to eat the bait and end up in the spider tanks? Things of that nature. It can be horrific because all you can think about is, I keep bugs, they're trying to kill bugs, these could be dangerous to my pets. That's something that freaks a lot of people out. So yes, that is something you can you should consider if you're getting into keeping them. There's been many instances of folks that have found out somebody sprayed something next door. They sprayed something outside. I've had numerous instances where people have said they had no idea the person was even coming. They were doing spraying in the apartment building and they were just letting themselves into the apartments and doing it. They weren't able to move the spiders in time and you end up with a bunch of dead spiders. So something to definitely think about when you're getting ready for keeping 
tarantulas for the first time. I think there's a lot to consider. And I think just having any pet, this doesn't just apply to tarantulas. I hear it. Obviously, we're dog lovers. We have four dogs. I can't tell you how many terrible stories I hear of people that just run out, they grab a dog. My favorite was when people brag to me that, hey, I haven't brought them my dog to the vet in six years. And it's like, that's not a brag, man. Like, you need to get your dog checked out, needs to get its vaccinations. I've had people go, man, how do your dogs live so long? Well, because we take care of them. So I think it goes with any pet. You need to do your research. You need to be familiar with the risks. You need to be familiar with whether or not your home is an appropriate environment for it. This could be bringing tarantulas into a place where they're, you know, maybe there's a roach problem they're going to be spraying or bringing a dog that it needs a lot of exercise and energy into a small apartment apartment environment is not a good thing. So I think it just, it doesn't just apply to tarantulas. It's all pets. We want to be responsible pet owners, no matter what pet we're keeping. I don't care if you're keeping a dog, a cat, or if you're keeping an isopod colony. It's whatever animal you are basically putting yourself responsible for, making yourself responsible for their care. You need to make sure you think all this stuff out ahead of time. So thank you for Chris and Madeline for chiming in. I really appreciate it. Now, today's episode, this was kind of inspired by two things. Number one, the pest control part. I can't believe I left that out of the original one. A very good point. And then I received an email from somebody that we'll talk about in a minute talking about basically these are the stories I've been privy to. These are the things that we should be worried about when it comes to huge mass deaths in collections. And I've heard and been privy to several stories over the course of the last decade of, and they're horrific. And I always like share them with Billy because it's almost like traumatic to hear it. But people that have lost a large portion of their collections due to, you know, at first it seems unforeseen circumstances. Like, I don't understand why these are all dying, but then later on they figure out what caused it. And some of these things are easily preventable. Some of these things we don't think about on a day-to-day basis. Again, when you're setting up a home for your spider, you don't recognize that there are some things that you would normally do in your house, in your apartment, wherever it may be, that in your mind is completely safe, at least to everybody that lives there, but may not be safe for your spider. So, this episode is going to be a bit of a doom and gloom one because we're going to be talking about the, you know, uh, horrible side of keeping tarantulas. When something goes so wrong that it ends up costing you either a big portion of your spider collection or your entire collection, some of these instances. So I did do a podcast a while back, which are hidden dangers in your home, which we talked about things that would be dangerous to it. Some of these will kind of overlap, but these are all instances where somebody has lost a lot of spiders and in some cases couldn't figure out what the problem was at first. And I will share my own experiences with having a mass die off, freaking out, losing complete, I mean, 100% confidence in the hobby. Like I didn't want to do anything. I didn't want to do podcasts. I didn't want to do videos because I'm like, who the heck am I to talk about this stuff when all my stuff uh, animals are dying off. But I think this is a good way to kind of do a little mental check to make sure we're not putting our tarantulas in any necessary danger. And remember from the future, because as you'll see, as we go through these, some of these are things you wouldn't even think twice about. Like I wouldn't have thought twice about if I didn't hear from somebody else that said they experienced this issue. So to kick it off, the first one, and it's the most obvious and probably the one I've received the most folks 
email me about freaking out about the use of pesticides around your animals. Like we just talked about, it's a stressful time when you realize that you require pest control, whether it be, you know, roaches or some other type of bug that's in your house, it's invading that you need out of there, whether you live in an apartment or your own home. When you find out that, yes, I have to call the pest control people in here to do something, that makes the majority of us nervous. I think I've explained many times before that back in the day we had a problem with, we had our trash bins were outside the tarantula room door there's a little there was a little area in our old old house where we kept them and during the summertime obviously that stuff starts to it gets heated up you get flies we had these big black flies that were everywhere and i remember that billy went out one day she came back in she's like okay i took care of that we shouldn't have flies anymore. I'm like, what do you mean? She's like, I baited for flies. I'm like, what do you mean you baited for flies? She had this spray that she sprayed around the entire, we had two recyclable containers or bins and one garbage bin sprayed the whole top of them. And I freaked because A, this was about maybe it tops eight feet, 10 feet from the window that led to my tarantula room. And B, because when I worked on tarantula stuff, I'd always go out the side door of our garage, right where those things are. And I had the hose out there. That's where I'd clean cages, where I'd fill stuff up. When I had substrate that was too damp, I'd always put the substrate in and leave it out in the sun to let it bake for a little bit. And now there's pesticide in that area. So I freaked out. And she was trying to assure me it would be fine. I'm like, what happens if flies eat this stuff and go inside? And Long story short, never lost any spiders to it. But after that, it's like we I need to know when we're doing anything pest control-wise. And in her mind, it was just, I'm taking care of a problem. That's what I do for a living. I'm taking care of a problem. And we're going to get rid of the flies. They were in the house. And when you're trying to have company over and there's these big giant flies die bombing you, it's really gross. So it did take care of the fly problem. But I was freaked out for months. It was going to have, like, every time I'd go out there, I ended up having to go to a different part of the yard to do the washing of the enclosures and to fill them up. It was just kind of inconvenient. So I I have had my experience with that. I think I've shared before too. We had ants. We caught a couple ants trying to get in and she was going to take care of the outside of the house with the ants. I was freaking out about that, but never had an issue. So I think part of it is with pesticides, if you have to have something done, consult them, let them know what you're keeping, find out what the active content is or the ingredient is. That can help sometimes. Always feel free. I get uh, usually a couple of people a month will reach out via email to ask me to ask Billy about something pest control related because they got something up. But that is something that I can tell you. I've heard from several people over the years that have had issues with pesticides. I had somebody that kept snakes in the same room that they kept their tarantulas. There's a product out there, Preventmite. Preventamite. I used to use it years ago. It was great. If you ever got a snake with mites, this was a wonderful way to kill off all those mites. I mean, it really did a wonderful job, but they realized that they were spraying this stuff in a room with the tarantulas. They lost a bunch of tarantulas from it. I have a, a I threw out my last bottle of Prevent Mite. Uh, luckily, knock on wood, I haven't had, I only have two snakes and nobody's got mites right now, but when you get mites, you don't think of these things. You're thinking, all right, I have my tarantulas and I remember using it years ago when I had the queen and the queen, I would take the queen out of that room and kept her out of that room for months. I would spray the stuff outside. I'd put it on the newspapers inside the enclosures, put the snakes in, and then let the stuff hopefully dissipate for a while. And then I would bring the queen back in. But I remember at one point I had her out of that room for months at a time because I was so afraid that she was going to end up getting exposed to it and die. So it, she didn't, but I have heard situations where people have used it. It's very effective. It doesn't take much. And if it gets in the air, it gets on something that's going to be in contact with the spider while it's grooming itself, it could introduce reduce that into its body and then you can have a dead spider so pesticides something to really be wary of i think the worst story i ever heard of pesticides and this one killed me 
was somebody lived in an apartment. They had, I believe, it was several dozen tarantulas. They came home to find out that they had sprayed. They had let the pest control person into the apartment to spray for something. I can't remember what it was, fleas, roaches, but whatever it was, they were spraying it. And when they came in, they realized immediately that whoever had sprayed it had actually sprayed the tarantula enclosures. They found residue from the actual pesticide on the tarantula enclosure. So obviously they freaked out. They called the landlord. They're like, oh, I didn't see him do that. They cleaned them all off within a couple weeks. They had lost the majority of their collection. So that was probably the worst I'd ever heard. They had ended up contacting the pest control company because it was obvious the guy purposely tried to spray the tarantulas, which is sick. Just a terrible, terrible situation. I never did find out how it played out because last I knew they were going after the pest control company because they took pictures of the fact that they had blatantly tried to spray the tanks with the animals in it. So hopefully they got some sort of justice or satisfaction from it, but I don't see how anything could undo the hurt it must have caused when they came in and saw that they had purposely tried to kill their animals and succeeded. So awful situation there, but pesticides, definitely something you need to be careful of, definitely something that could rip through an entire collection. Now, the next one, I have to admit, this one freaked me out because for years, obviously, I kept snakes. And one of the things you worry about with snakes is salmonella. When they poo, they've gotten the poo. You want to be careful with it. You want to keep their enclosures clean. And I used a lot of bleach back in the day. Always had gallons of bleach, unscented bleach, to clean out my enclosures, to clean out my water dishes, to clean out everything. I used bleach solutions on everything when it came to tarantulas. And didn't even think about this having a possible negative impact on spiders. So when I first got into spiders and I was cleaning up cages, what did I do? I'd go up and grab some bleach. And, and use the bleach to clean the enclosures. I was always careful to wash them off really, really well. However, what I didn't realize is that the fumes from bleach can be deadly to tarantulas. Now, under most circumstances, I don't think we're going to be, I would hope that most folks aren't using bleach to the point where it's fuming the whole room up and stinking a whole tarantula room up. However, I have been privy to situations where people have used it to clean or the one that I'm about to share, this gentleman contacted me Essentially, they had, when they were trying to figure out where to keep the tarantulas, they had a utility closet that they said they didn't really use all that much. So they took most of the cleaning stuff out of it. They had, it was one that they kept like brooms and everything else. Long story short, turned it into a lovely tarantula room. However, there was a sink in it, a utility sink. And what ended up happening was the wife was doing some cleaning. She was using bleach. She was bleaching something. So she basically plugged the sink up, filled it with a bunch of bleach, a bleach solution, dumped a bunch of bleach in and was soaking stuff in it, closed the door. Well, it sounds like the room was quite small. The fumes built up in the room. And then afterwards, it wasn't right away. I guess it was like a day or so later, he noticed some of the tarantulas acting weird and lethargic. One of them had signs of DKS. Then another one had signs of DKS. Another one died. When all was said and done, he lost about a dozen of the spiders. And at first, he had no idea what was going on. He's like, I don't I don't get it. I have signs. He sent me video. There was one that was definitely showing signs of DKS, which usually... Usually with DKS points to some type of exposure to something poisonous or pesticides. So we went through the list. I'm like, did anybody, you know, spray anything? Was there any chemical sprayed in the room? Did they have any pesticides around? Was, you know, did somebody come in and spray pesticides? And then we were talking about, he's like, no, we just, you know, my wife's do some cleaning. I'm like, did your wife use bleach? And 
that he came back with an email. He's like, oh my God, I figured out what it was. And that's when he realized his wife had soaked some stuff in bleach, left the bleach fumes in there, had closed the door, and unfortunately it killed a bunch of his spiders. So I think under most normal circumstances, if you are using bleach to clean enclosures, you just need to wash them off thoroughly. There is something in the bleach that can actually deteriorate their exoskeletons, but I don't think under most circumstances, as long as people, I think out of the err on the side of caution, most folks avoid bleach around their tarantulas completely. There have been instances where like if I have an enclosure that something died in, I'm very superstitious with that kind of stuff. Like I, I don't know. My mind is like something died in this. I don't know what killed it. So therefore, I'm going to make sure I disinfect this. So I have used bleach before to like wash out the enclosure. Then I wash the snot out of it with a garden hose. I usually do. What I usually use to clean my enclosures is white vinegar. Last night, as a matter of fact, we did a mass. I Basically, when I do rehousings, I take the, enclosed, the old enclosures and I stack them on my floor. And I had like 100 enclosures in this room just stacked up that I've been too lazy to clean out. So we did a bunch of cleaning yesterday. I got a big old Tupperware container, poured a bunch of white vinegar in, some warm water in, cleaned up a bunch of enclosures and water dishes. That's usually what I use. So the ones I bleach, I will go back and use the vinegar, rinse them out completely. But a lot of folks, I usually avoid bleach like the plague and make sure that you're not using it in a room where those fumes could get out and kill the spider because that it has been proven that bleach fumes are hazardous to tarantulas, to spiders. So you want to make sure if you're somebody's using bleach or chlorine, whatever it may be, that it's not around the spiders. If, if they are using bleach, I know Billy sometimes used to at the old house, she'd clean and she'd have bleach solution. And we did have a utility. It was basically our laundry room was off of the tarantula room and we had a utility sink in it. And Billy would use that anytime she was cleaning. So if she was mopping floors, if she was cleaning stuff with bleach and I remember freaking out would always whenever she used that sink for that kind of stuff she'd dump stuff in would always open the garage open the door that led to the garage to air it out because I was always worried about those fumes coming in and harming my spiders so bleach I know it sounds a lot of people use it for cleaning it's it's, it's hazardous to people too so it's not like we don't know this it's definitely hazardous to spiders we want to make sure we keep it away from our animals make sure they're not exposed to those fumes because it could lead to death now next one I just received another one of these. I, I received one years ago. And again, something you don't necessarily think about when you're in a home that this could be something that could pose a hazard to your tarantulas. But long story short, it was a husband and wife. They were doing some painting in their house and they were painting the downstairs and it was wintertime. So they couldn't really have the windows open to air the place out. And they painted a bunch of different rooms in the house, including the tarantula room. And unfortunately, within a week, the gentleman had lost several of his spiders. At first, couldn't figure out what was going on with them. And then as we talked a little bit, we realized that he had painted. He had painted a wall in the room. He hadn't removed the spiders. There wasn't good ventilation. And those fumes had built up and likely killed the spiders. So again, anything fume-wise, whatever the chemical is, you want to make sure that you're not exposing your animals to any cleaner fumes, any type of you know paint thinner, uh, acetone, anything like that. And I think in this case, it was just regular. I mean, if anybody here has painted recently, I remember several years ago, we did some painting at the old house during the summer. I went nuts and painted like five of our rooms. And I remember distinctly one day, it was a really calm 
hot day. It got really humid. And although I had the windows open, my God, my head was buzzing from the paint fumes because it was like we did this the whole dining room. Then I went over and did the kitchen. And we're going, I was going back and forth doing coats on it. It really, really gave me a headache. So just think of that at the, in the wintertime when you can't air it out. All of those fumes, enclosed area with those spiders, that's something that could actually pose a hazard to them. And again, I had originally heard this story many, many years ago, maybe eight, nine years ago. Hadn't heard of it happening again until most recently where it was a young man, high school age, who had several tarantulas in his bedroom. His parents told him he could paint his bedroom. So he covered the tarantula cages up, painted his whole bedroom. Again, I believe it was during the wintertime and lost several of his spiders. And that's the only thing we could think of that he did that could have led to their death. So again, any fumes, any fumes whatsoever, you need to make sure they don't get exposed to them. It seems to be something that could really affect them negatively. But with painting, that's something, again, a lot of us, I don't think, think about. You're using paint where, you know, as humans, I think we, oh, yeah, it's, it's a little whiffy in here, a little fumey. We don't think the fact that those fumes that are making us slightly lightheaded could actually kill our spiders. So yes, painting in the house, be careful if you're doing a lot of painting, that if you're doing it in the room, do not do it in the room with the spiders. Let's just put that out there. Do not paint in a room with spiders. Move the spiders out, open the windows, air it out, wait till that smell dissipates before putting them back in. If you're doing them in an adjacent room, shut the door. When we did it, I was doing the dining room next door. I basically put towels underneath the bottom of the door to keep the fumes from leaking in. But you want to be very, very careful with that to make sure that you don't end up with a bunch of dead spiders. Now, the next one I honestly didn't think would be very likely, but then after it was explained how it was going on or what was happening, it made perfect sense. But I often get asked, I've said before that my tarantula room is in a room above our two-car garage. The two-car garage is below me, and I've had many folks say, don't you worry about the CO2 coming up through the floor and killing your tarantulas? And the answer to that is no, because we don't keep our cars in the garage. I'm one of those people that uses the garage. We have my weights and everything down there. It's a, it's a workout room there's still storage I'll just throw myself under the bus we saw boxes out there from when we moved I'm too lazy to put up in our attic so we do not use our garage as a garage so it is not a concern to me now if I use my car as a garage would it scare me yes a little bit but I did a lot of research once we you know when we moved in here there was some talk putting the cars in here and I did some research and it seems if you're not keeping your car idling in the garage with the door shut for long amounts of time it shouldn't be an issue but if I did have cars on yes it would freak me out a little bit However, I did hear a story from somebody who basically they had a large garage and at the back of the garage, they had made a little room that was like a little workroom and it was connected right to the garage. It was a doorway leading to it. And originally when this person had gotten into the hobby, it was spring, summertime. They had started keeping several tarantulas. The wife said, listen, I don't want those in the house. You can keep them out in your room in the garage. They even paid to have heat put in. I think it was like a mini split or something to make sure the room was heated when the winter came. Everything was fine during the summer and then the winter came and one by one the spiders started to drop off so the guy first was afraid that the heat was drying out the air he was worried that the temperature was maybe dropping when he wasn't home but he would start monitoring the temperature it was perfectly fine and then it became clear what the culprit was his wife and he both when they'd go out in the morning they would rub let their cars run come back into the house warm the cars up a little bit go out drive off and they would usually have the garage doors shut well what was happening 
happening was all that CO2 was building up in that room and exposing those tarantulas to that CO2. So over the course of a couple months, more and more of the spiders began dropping off. And he realized after a while that, and this is one of the ones that was shared with me as a cautionary tale, he realized after a while that it was due to that buildup of CO2. Because in the summertime, it didn't happen. He said in the summertime, we'd come up, we'd open the garage doors, we'd start the car, we'd drive out. A lot of times we'd leave the garage door open and it wasn't an issue because it was getting aired out quickly. During the winter time, however, they would start the car door, they'd start the car up, they'd sometimes leave it idling for a little bit, not an incredible amount of time, but enough to get some of that CO2 built up. They would drive off and because it was cold and he was worried about the spiders getting cold and the heat having to work extra, he would immediately close the door behind him. So that was contributing to that buildup. And because it was two of them using cars in there, one person would do it, it would build up, the other person would come in, do the same thing a little while later, that stuff would stay in there and it started having a negative impact. So I think in his case, he lost several spiders before he figured out what was going on. He ended up moving them, removing them from that room and bringing the remaining ones into the house. But that was a bit of a wake-up call as far as, like, I have a lot of folks that will contact me and say, hey, uh, my wife or my husband won't allow me to have my spiders in the house. I'm going to keep them in the garage. And they'll say, do you think a garage is a good place to keep them? And I always say no. One thing, right off the bat, the problem with garages is they can be difficult to keep the temperature correct. So they can get hot during the summer. They can get, unless you have one that's temperature controlled, you have, you know, a thermostat in there that you can control the temperature. That's sometimes an issue, and I've had people tell me, listen, it's not heated, but I'm going to set up a bunch of aquariums with heat lamps. I had one person that set up one of those plastic portable, they're like, you get the frame and you put the plastic over them, they're like portable greenhouses, and then they had heat inside of that to keep the heat inside out, which is, again, it always scares me. It's risky because if it gets too hot during the day and that thing's pumping, it could be an issue, and those heat, obviously... A greenhouse like that is meant to hold in the heat, so that could be an issue. But I usually try to tell people that you got to find a better place than the garage. And obviously, there are folks out there that have beautifully renovated garages that it's almost like a different room in the house. That's a different story. I think a lot of the folks that contact me, it's just a regular old garage. And I've had folks contact me with regular garages that like they keep their lawnmowers in there that they start. They keep cars in there. So that's something we got to be careful of. Obviously, you wouldn't you know, want a human exposed to that kind of stuff. So you definitely don't want your spiders exposed to it. So CO2 poisoning in a garage situation, you need to be very, very careful if you're keeping your spiders in in an environment where they're going to be exposed to exhaust. I would say if there's any exposure to exhaust whatsoever, move them. That's not healthy for the spiders. It would be healthy for a person in there. It's definitely not healthy for the spiders. Find a better place to keep them. Or like last week's episode, this would be something where you ask yourself, do I have a good place to keep these animals? Do I have an appropriate place? And if that's the only place you can come up with, a garage where there's going to be cars or equipment and stuff being revved up and producing CO2 in there, then perhaps you want to wait until you have a better place to keep them. Now, at the beginning of this podcast, I said that this one was inspired by not only the comments I got on Spotify about the last week's episode, but by an email I received. Well, here's the email. Hello, this guy lost his whole collection when his roommate sanded the walls in their basement. The tarantulas were on the second floor, but the dust went through the vents. A few people stated in comments that the drywall contains silica, which is used in pesticides. And they gave me a link to Facebook to check it out. I thought you may want to read or mention it on a podcast. Maybe even ask people to tell about things that have killed their teas or other than well-known causes. Thanks. And that one was from Donna Phillips. So yes, Donna, I am reading it on here because I had not heard of this one before until this one here. And now that you mention it, 
it makes sense that silica could get in the air. That dust is very, very fine. We did some work on my old house where I did some drywall. And I remember being shocked. It had been many, many years. I originally, years ago in my 20s, I worked for a contractor and I did a lot of this. It had been a long time and I had forgot how nasty that dust is, how easily it travels around. Even when you're vacuuming, it spreads. It got everywhere. And I had the whole area I was working, I had put up plastic sheeting around to make sure I contained it and it was still getting out into different in the kids' bedrooms and stuff. It's awful. So I never even would have thought of that. And then this is one of these terrible situations where you're not even doing this work in the room with the spiders, but it came up through the vents and killed them. So yes, I now that I think about it, I can see definitely how that could be harmful and something most people wouldn't even think about. I didn't, I honestly, obviously I was far away from my tarantulas when I did it. It was an upstairs room. They were at the like almost opposite end of the house. However, had I been doing work like in the living room or someplace close by, I don't think I would have thought twice about it. So, and we did have forced hot air. I don't see how it could have gotten through the vents in our house, but that's something you don't think about. You're doing home improvements. You have your tarantulas in a room by themselves or in these situations where you're living with other people. You have a roommate, so they're not thinking about your tarantulas. They're like, hey, I got to do some work in the basement. It doesn't occur to them. Maybe I should tape off the vents because if you're in the basement and that's where your air intake is and it's pulling that dust in and blowing it around, that could be an absolute nightmare. And I guess in this case, there was a thin layer of dust on everything in the entire house. So it was pretty obvious that it had gotten through the vents exposed the spiders and the fact that the spiders died shortly afterwards, I believe it was the entire collection shows you just how devastating that could be to them. So I drywall something I wouldn't have thought of honestly. And I, it's one of those ones you don't think of it until you hear something like this and go, duh. Yeah, that makes all the sense in the world, but not something the majority of us are thinking of. So I think this is a cautionary tale for those of us out there that may be doing home improvements that may have somebody come in doing work on their house that we have to make darn sure that in that situation, that a, obviously I think this is one of these just perfect storms of terrible, terrible circumstances where who's going to think that, Hey, I'm going to do some work in the basement. It's going to get to the second floor. I try to plan out everything where I do something like that. I would never think in a million years. Now, granted the tarantula room up here is on, we have baseboard heaters, rest of the house is forest hot air, but I would never even thought of that. However, I do remember when we were getting our basement redone, the guy was working our basement said, I'm going to change the filter on your blower unit down there, the one that circulates the air around the house. And he said part of it was to make sure that none of the dust that he produced down there would get up into the house. So after thinking about that, thinking of this situation, I could see how this could happen. But if I'm being completely honest, I try to think of every possibility when something's getting done. I never would have thought of this in a million years. If they were doing work in the basement, never would have thought that A, it could have gotten around the rest of the house. Or B, that stuff could have killed my spider. So terrible situation. Something new. You know, I learn something new every day. It's something that I can warn people about the next time I do, you know, hidden dangers around the home. That would definitely be one of them. If you're having work done around at home, be careful if they're creating fumes, whether it be painting, if they're creating fumes, whether whatever they're using around the house. If they're making dust, make sure that those spiders are protected. So Thank you so much, Donna, for that one. I wouldn't have seen it otherwise. And now we have a new one to add to the list of things that couldn't danger our pets. Again, something that I don't think a lot of us would even think about. Now, the next one we're going to talk about is tainted substrate. And obviously, this was the one that impacted me years ago during the winter time. I had a situation where I had a die-off of several animals. We're talking all of my assassin bugs, uh, a couple scorpions, uh, several tarantulas. It was awful. It completely shook my confidence. And I've 
if you, anybody that's listened to the rest of my podcast, you've heard this story before. It went on for several months. It wasn't until I was watching some videos that featured many of the animals that died and realized that all of them had been rehoused recently on bags of topsoil that I had purchased from a place I had never purchased topsoil before. Usually I get my stuff from Lowe's or Home Depot. I usually use Timberline or Scott's. I went and bought this quote unquote organic substrate from, it was an organic topsoil from one of these farm supply stores, Agway. And after looking at the video, I realized I had rehoused many of them. I had videos of many of them and they had all died within a couple months. They all had the same type of general issue too. They would either molt and never eat again or die, or they would get fat, languish, start getting very lethargic and then die. It was something, it seemed to be something to do with the molt cycle was screwed up. And I lost a lot of them. The assassin bugs was the worst because I had babies. I was planning on selling off some of the babies because I had so many of them. So I took a bunch of the babies out. I put them in this enclosure that I set up with this substrate. They were dead within 24 hours. I was like, what the heck happened? Then I had ended up, after I'd taken the babies out, I had taken out the substrate, the other thing, because I wanted to make sure if there were eggs in it, I had the eggs. And I put in some of this other substrate on top of it, which was again, the tainted stuff. And all of my adults died. It was awful. I had scorpions put on that died. It was terrible. So long story short, it took me a long time to figure out that what I had was probably a bag that in my guess was tainted with herbicide. I don't I don't know if it was pesticide. I think it was herbicide because I had an extra bag that I opened up and it had those little green balls in it they put for fertilizer. And I wonder if they didn't take it from a place where they were spraying, doing work or whatever, and it got tainted with it. And I had read years ago, Somebody sent me a paper that was a study on how herbicides that are used commonly in people's yards and such can impact spiders, and it specifically said it impacts the molt process. And I remember them saying something along the lines of it basically stops them from molting, or if they molt, they can't molt again, or something along those lines, and that seemed to be what I was witnessing with my tarantula collection. And sadly, even after I figured out what was going on, there were still several spiders that died over the ensuing months because they had been exposed to this stuff, they were eating, and then they would just die. So it was terrible and something that really got me thinking I need to be extra careful when using topsoil when I purchased it from new places because I wasn't sure and will never be sure what was in it. And I've since heard from other folks that have had similar situations where they traced it to a bag of dirt they bought. Maybe it was off-brand. Maybe it was a new brand. I get a lot of folks that will contact me and go, hey, I just I can only find this brand. Should I use it? And if it's not something I'm familiar with, I usually say no. I've used many Many bags of the Scots over years without issue. Many bags of the Timberline stuff without issue. I don't know where they get it from, but it seems to be clean. But any of the other ones, I'm not so sure about. However, I've also heard from other folks that have pulled their dirt from outside. And there was one situation, I believe the individual was in Florida, where they went outside and they just dug up some topsoil from around the area. They had a spot in the woods. They put some top, got some topsoil. They put it in with their spiders, and their spiders started to die. They had some that had signs of DKS. Other ones just stopped eating, languished, and died. And come to find out, it was an area where they had a lot of issues with mosquitoes, and apparently they were spraying for mosquitoes at night. This is something that they don't do a lot around here up north, at least in my area. I've never heard of this happening, although we did have some at one point where they were spraying herbicide around power lines. We had power lines that basically 
ran right by our house and not close enough that I'd think it would be a huge issue, but it was close enough that it worried me. And they were doing a lot of clearing trees and brush around the area because it was interfering with the power lines when they had storms. And they announced that they were going to be spraying some herbicide around. I remember thinking, oh my gosh, it's great pesticide. I walk in that area all the time. Who knows if I'm tracking at home. But in other places they do, they will spray for mosquitoes. And I believe the ingredient, the active ingredient that kills the mosquitoes are their pyrethrins. And they do kill arachnids and spiders. So they are harmful to that. So now imagine you're out there, you're grabbing this dirt that has been sprayed. You don't realize it. I guess they do announce to people normally when they spray so they know about it. But some people aren't thinking about this and they may not get the notice. You take that dirt, you introduce it to your tarantula cages, and now you have dead tarantulas. Several years ago, I also heard from an individual who lived adjacent to a golf course who was, again, collecting moss and dirt and plants and stuff from outside to put into his enclosures. Well, obviously, with a golf course, they they probably do a myriad of things with pest control, herbicide, things of that nature. Once again, he noticed his spiders acting weird. They started dying off. He realized they'd probably been exposed to something that was in those materials he was taking from the golf course. So I have a lot of folks that go, you know, why in the United States do people not take their stuff from outside? I think for a lot of us, it's just an abundance of caution. I don't know what my neighbor sprayed in his yard. I'd like to think they're not spraying anything, but I know I have somebody right across the street from me that has a beautiful lawn that I'm sure he's got some stuff in it. I don't know, you know, if they're spraying for bugs. I don't know where this stuff has been. So that's one of the reasons I avoid it. We do have a wooded area behind us that I would be inclined to try some stuff from, but I I just don't want to take the chance. It doesn't hurt my bank account that much to get a couple bags of cheap dirt or to buy, the other day I bought another 10 pound block or 12 pound block of cocoa fiber, which I rehydrated. I still have another bale of peat in my garage, mix that together. So much substrate for just not a lot of money. And at least I know that it hasn't been exposed to anything. So that's something to always be careful of when using substrates to make sure they've not been exposed to herbicides or pesticides, because I think there's been many of us that have unfortunately fallen into that trap where you use something, you read the bag, it tells you it's organic, you put it in with your animals. And next thing you know it, they're dropping like flies, which I will tell you was a quite a traumatic experience that I have never gotten over completely. It was awful. It was like you're sitting there giving advice to people on how to keep these animals happy and healthy while yours are all dying. So that's something to be careful of with the substrate. If you're getting it from outside, make sure you're getting it from a place that hasn't been exposed to any types of pesticides or herbicides. If they're doing construction in the area, if somebody's putting a new house in near, like right next door, keep in mind sometimes the landscapers go and spray some stuff on the lawn. Just be very, very careful there because that is something that could eventually or ultimately kill your tarantulas. And finally, the last thing that you have to worry about as far as mass die-offs or something killing off your entire collection, extreme temperatures in either direction. Now, normally the one we worry most about is extreme cold. And a few years ago, I think it was a couple of years, two or three years ago, there was an ice storm in Texas where everything actually had snowed, it froze over, and people lost power. And the stories that I got, it was horrific because it was just people that were sitting there like, you know what, we have no power in our house. We have no heat. The tarantula room is 38 degrees and I'm just watching these guys die one by one. It's awful. And if you have a large collection, it can be difficult to find a place to put them while you're waiting for the power to come back on. So extreme cold, extreme heat. I've had a couple situations over the years, many years ago when we were at the other house. And it's one of the things that led to us getting a generator which started amassing a huge collection. We lost power. And I think I told the story before. We lived on a hill. There was only, I think, seven houses on it. And we were a not a priority when the power went out. And because 
the power lines ran up our road where there were a bunch of old rotting trees. Every time the wind blew, we lost power. So one day we got it got particularly bad. It was like a snowstorm. It froze over, and we lost power for like three days. And I was watching that tarantula room temperature drop and drop and drop. It was horrifying. But what we ended up doing is we got a kerosene heater and we kind of placed it in the doorway of the tarantula room and the dining room. And we ran that and that was enough to keep the temperatures above where it would possibly harm the spiders. They Most species of spiders, if it gets cold for a little, as long as it doesn't get freezing, if it gets cold for a little while, 50s or so, they can take that for a little while. Especially the Afonopelma, Grandma Stola, Brachypelma species, a lot of those can take those colder temperatures, especially Afonopelma. Those, those are diehard. However, some of the other ones, obviously, if it gets cold for too long, it's not a good situation, and you could end up with a spider that either dies during that cold snap or later on when it causes some problems in its body from the excessive cold temperatures. So trying to find, and I would honestly, if you're getting into the hobby enough where you're starting to amass a large collection, it it's a good investment to figure out the heat system in case it goes out. I think in our case, it came down to getting a generator. We were like, you know what? We're never doing this again. The next phone call, like right after this whole thing ended, we called an electrician, like what's it going to take to wire this house so we can get a generator. We purchased a generator. And then every time we lost power, it wasn't a big deal because we got one that could keep, keep the heat on the house. We didn't have to worry about the spider. So you definitely, I know it's not in the cards for some people. It's difficult. If you're renting, obviously you can't just go, Hey, I'm going to put in this, you know, backup generator situation or whatever. It can be pricey, but I do think it's a great investment for those of us who are starting to get into the hobby to the point where we're amassing large, very expensive collections. Let's call it as is. Let's, I, I don't like to ever concentrate on the dollar amount of spiders because it's for me, it's not about that. However, we can't overlook the fact that if you have certain species you've raised up for years and they're females, those are, that's a lot of money is worth the spiders that are going to be at risk. It's almost like an insurance policy at that point and one that you can pay for once. So I would encourage anybody that is in a spot where they can possibly lose power, lose heat to consider the generator, consider some type of source. We did use, obviously... The kerosene heater in a small room can work. You do got to be careful with the fumes, though. I do believe that's something you got to keep an eye on. But it did work in a pinch, so I would recommend that to somebody. Just have that heater ready to roll. Have several gallons of the kerosene ready to go in case that could be just enough. Is it going to keep it up to your 70 degrees or wherever you had it? No, but will it keep it maybe in the 50s to the point where the spiders won't die? Yes, but do think about that if you're amassing a large collection, that that cold snap, if it lasts too long, May not kill all your spiders, but some of the more fragile ones, the slings, it can do some serious damage. So always, we I think we talked about once, we had a podcast, we talked about how to prepare for in a situation where you lose power, lose heat. Definitely give that one a listen because we had some good ideas in there. And then heat. We don't think about that as much, but extreme heat can be bad for them. I've had people that have put tarantulas in rooms where they said they started in the wintertime where it was pretty nice, and then they realize in the summertime it hits the high 90s, and they've lost spiders that way. They can get dehydrated quickly. I know we talk about the fact that spiders live in locations where it can hit 90s and hundreds, but keep in mind, a lot of them, if they're arboreal, they're up in treetops where there's a breeze, they're circulating, and then a lot of them live in burrows where the temperature might not get above 68 degrees. They can go down that burrow. They 
the way they thermoregulate is they go into their burrows to avoid extreme heat or extreme cold. They're not so much basking as they're retreating from one of these things. They can be out when it's nice out, but if it gets too cold, too hot, they go back inside the burrow. So that's something to think about as well. If you're setting your tarantulas up somewhere in the wintertime, always make sure that you're monitoring those temperatures in the summertime. When I set my tarantulas up in this room here, it was during the colder months. I think we moved in November, early December. It was fine, except for the fact that every once in a while, it got super cold outside. The heat couldn't keep up here, which was incredibly stressful. But then I have backup heat sources. I have a one of the oil-filled heaters, and I have another one that sits on the floor that I can run that just cycles the the floor obviously is going to be the colder temps. It heats it up and cycles. It works pretty well. So you can have a backup heater. But it wasn't until summertime came that one of the days it hit 100 degrees outside and it hit like 98 degrees up here. And the spiders were not, I know people say, oh, look, they're coming out to get the heat. In some cases, they don't know where to go because it's so hot. They're in their burrows. It's just as hot in their burrows because there isn't deep outside. It doesn't go below that line where it's cooler. So they're out trying to get out of a, away from the heat, escape the heat. So I do think that the heat part is something a lot of us don't think about, don't consider a threat. And it's something you need, you need to think about. If you're having, I spoke to folks from the Philippines before where they've had temperatures where they're keeping their tarantulas. It's a place where it's not air conditioned. It gets in the 90s and they start dropping off. So that's always something to think about as well. So I've heard stories of people losing them to extreme heat. I've heard stories of people losing them to extreme cold. It's something that can have, depending on where you are, if it's the summertime and the power cuts out, you don't have AC, that room can get really, really hot. Wintertime, opposite, it gets really, really cold. Something you need to think about and plan for, especially if you don't have, if you have a smaller collection, not a big deal. You pack them up, you find a friend that's like, hey, can I keep these spiders here for a little bit? You're in good shape. But if you have like, for me, it would be impossible for me to move all 250 animals I have up here to someplace else. I don't know where I'd bring them. Like I can't really bring them to a hotel room. It would take forever. They would be dying as I'm trying to get them over to the other place. Make sure you plan for this stuff. Make sure you prepare for it. Make sure that if you are in a place that's going to lose power in the wintertime, that you have some type of backup plan. Again, it might be seem expensive at first. It costs us, I think, the generator was like 900 bucks, which is a pretty big chunk. And then I think it costs about 900 bucks to get it wired. But that peace of mind we've had, at, well, at the old house for years, that peace of mind we had knowing that when the power went out, we had that generator, it paid for itself the first time we lost power in the winter. So extreme heat, extreme cold, another thing that can be a threat to a collection that can wipe out an entire collection if they're exposed to either end of the temperature spectrum. So that's what I've got for this one. What I'd like to hear from, and Donna proposed this one, I like it. What are other things you've heard that have resulted in mass deaths? I don't, I probably haven't covered them all. These are the ones that I've, you know, been privy to. Some of these aren't particularly likely, but it's stuff we need to think about because we don't want to be in a situation where it's like, oh my gosh, a freak accident happens. We lose our collection. And my God, if I had just heard about this ahead of time, it wouldn't have happened. We don't want to find ourselves in this situation. With the dirt, I wish I would been a little more thoughtful and going and buying from a new place. I wish I had checked the bag more carefully. Uh, there's a lot of things I would like to have back with cold and heat. Don't get caught with your pants down, for lack of a better term. If something like that happens, be prepared. If you're get, having work done in your house, be prepared. Make sure those vents are blocked off. Make sure they're not sanding anything nearby. Make sure if you're doing painting that you're preparing and making sure those fumes don't overpower the spiders. A lot of things to consider. Again, it's all about responsible 
pet ownership, animal ownership, animal care. That's what it comes down to, caring for our animals in the best way possible. So are things going to happen? Yes. And I'm sure there'll be other ones. I'm hoping to hear from folks with ones that I haven't heard of before so we can talk about them. I know the drywall one was an eye-opener for me, kind of freaked me out a little bit. I'm sure there's other ones out there. So please chime in either on Spotify or thomasbigspirespodcast.com. That will do it for this one. As always, you can find me on Thomas Big Spires, Thomas Big Spires Podcast. You can leave uh, notes on Spotify or comments on Spotify. YouTube, I didn't do a YouTube video this week. I'm taking a little break from it, I think. Well, I shouldn't say that. Billy and I are going to be recording two rehousings today, a couple rehousings today. But I just, it's my busy time of year where I'm kind of running ragged and just don't feel, have the energy sometimes to go home and do a video on Saturday. I just want to relax a bit. So um, we'll get back to it. it. Same thing. Anybody that's followed my stuff, I do it every single year, usually around this time. I, stop posting as much. I didn't put up, I'm probably not putting up a video this week at all, not even a short. I'm going to give it a little break and then hopefully next week we'll have one of these videos up. That will do it for this one, guys. As always, stay safe and we'll catch you all next time.